Welcome, everybody, to the Cult of Dave Podcast Network. A new chapter this morning in the battle against Ebola. Nickelback are back. The multi-platinum band has just announced a new album and a North American summer. Until you see the flaming butthole, you ain't seen nothing yet! Hey guys, Alex here. Just a quick little thing right here up top. Uh, we mentioned it at the end of the episode, uh, but deserves a little bit of attention up here at the top. Uh, if you're listening to this on Patreon, that means you're hearing it on Thursday. But if you're listening to this on release day on Friday, and if you're local to Charlotte, North Carolina, come on out to the Milestone Club. Uh, we're holding a benefit show for our good friend Jonathan Battleship Hughes. Um, Unfortunately, if you uh, if you are in the Charlotte area and you've been on Facebook, you probably saw the information that he suffered a uh, stroke uh, that did travel to his brain. Uh, he's been in the uh, uh, hospital for the last little while, and even though he's making really good strides in recovery, this shit ain't cheap. So a bunch of bands have banded together, uh, and Buck at the milestone has kind of pulled all of us together uh, to have a benefit show. Dollar Signs, Farewell Albatross, Anchor Detail, and uh, My Blue Hope singer-songwriter Aaron Lawrence, along with us, the fill-ins, will be there uh, helping raise some funds for our dear friend. Uh, and if you aren't local, take a look in the show notes. Uh, I will have the GoFundMe page listed there. And again, guys, you know I don't promote and push this kind of shit a lot. But this means a lot to me. So if even if you got a buck to spare, send it the Hughes family way. Uh, they would be much appreciative for it. All right. Well, I feel I've done my deed in helping out my friends. So on with the show. Something good for you. Everybody and welcome to this week's episode of the Something Good For You podcast, where the two of us sift through the bullshit to try to find a little something good to give you each and every single week. I am one of your two co-hosts, Alex Stiff, and across from me in the new room is Captain Nunn. Hey, y'all. Does it sound different? It probably will. <laughs> I was thinking about that when I was getting set up. I was like, I'm wondering how the AC is going to affect it now. But that is going to be a positive. No more sweating our asses no off during the shit. episodes. No lie. Because of the way these microphones are and because we're cheap bastards and hadn't spent like, or I haven't spent like 10 to 15 each to get decent popper stoppers per microphone, the only AC that really goes in that room well is the overhead fan. And that would just yeah. immediately annihilate these microphones. So during the winter time, when we first started, it wasn't too bad. We just opened up the window, even in the dead of winter. Oh, yeah. That, yeah. And we had like, and we had like serious AC, and it was totally fine. As soon as the summer season hit, <laughs> it was. It got rough. It got smelly. <laughs> <laughs> and that's when we started doing like two-hour podcasts and shit like that too. Oh yeah, because that's by the time uh, Clayton started coming over and Tony, and we had uh, the real long one with Russ, and it's like <laughs> we were just like ah, by the end of it. <laughs> what the fuck have we been listening to? I don't know. <laughs> Check yeah, this so to, out. It's cool. So it may sound a little bit different, but we're, we're more fucking comfortable. Yeah. <laughs> and our very special guest this week, we you've heard us talk enough about her, and you've heard her say yay in the background once. <laughs> <laughs> that was back at the rim. Uh, when, oh, yeah. <laughs> but we finally have Kelsey Ryan on the show. Welcome, Kelsey. Hey, how you doing? 
<laughs> doing well. <laughs> so what the two of y'all been up to? Trying to get this uh, album release show put together. Uh, getting merch order. Got t-shirts. About to work on some CDs and have them ready for y'all at, by the end of September 13th. Mm-hmm. By the end of September 13th. Yeah, the end of the, I know. <laughs> by the, by set exactly 7.30 exactly p.m. Exactly 7.30, yes. On the dot. Eastern Standard or Pacific? Okay. Eastern Standard. Okay. Eastern Standard Time. Okay. God's time. <laughs> <laughs> well, this album has been a while in the making because um, it feels like I remember when the two of y'all basically started tracking over at Steve's. Yeah, that mm-hmm. was just... That was back in February? Yeah, I visited Steve's the first time in... Jan- mid-January That's right. was the first time I went over there. We started tracking February 16th. So what sparked even heading on over there? Uh, cap. Caps insistence? Well, it, I guess <laughs> persistence. Insistence well, or well, persistence? I don't know. It didn't really feel like that. Like We started hanging out on New Year's Day uh, regularly after that. She uh, had a party over at her, or a little get-together at her house with a lot of local uh, musicians. Yeah. And uh, we met, I guess, a couple months before that. Just uh, talking about how we were both trying to pursue music. Actually, we met because you wanted to talk shit of, about the Cowboys. Well, yes. Also that. <laughs> yeah. I was just hanging out, getting a bite to eat to Jack Beagles, and she comes up, uh, and I'm watching the football game, and she comes up in Dallas Cowboys gear, just like really getting into it, too. Like, somebody misses a pass, she's like, fuck! <laughs> And I'm a football fan, so I wanted to talk shit because it's also the Dallas Cowboys. Hey, excellent. But hey, that, that's a good little bonding moment. And look, and here you are now creating fucking badass music. Mm-hmm. Isn't that wild? It's crazy how the world works. Exactly. <laughs> All over football. Pretty much. Now, just, uh, I guess I brought my uh, electric guitar over and uh, I guess she liked the way I played and then wanted to start talking about playing music together and shit like that. Or she invited me out to some open mic stuff that mm-hmm. she was putting on. Mm-hmm. So, so was it a situation you were just kind of writing some songs yourself and then... Yeah, I didn't have anybody that I was playing with. Um, I've been uh, a writer and a reader my whole life, so I had some stuff I'd already been writing. Um, I had them a little bit picked out musically, right. but um, just had a lot of content and needed to start getting it out there um, and get some real music behind it. So, so I needed the, somebody uh... to collaborate with me and play guitar because I have not been playing guitar all that long. Well, I was going to say, what's the <laughs> instrument uh, that you uh, usually play then? Well, I had a uku- I got a ukulele when okay. I first started out. Um, I travel for work, and it is tiny and portable and easy to learn. Yes. <laughs> and so that was the reasoning behind the ukulele to start. And right. so just started getting some of my songs down musically. Mm-hmm. And then um, really with Cap's help, we started building them out. It was an interesting process with this album because most of it was words and melodies uh, that were in my head. Yeah, because that's what was, I was kind of curious about that without knowing, you know, what really instrument you, because I always assumed that you just played guitar. Um, not that was, you know, something you were currently, you know, learning on. Mm-hmm. Um, you, by the way, very good. I, <laughs> I never knew that. Well, I thought that was something months. that you'd been playing for a while. <laughs> I was unaware that you were recently learning that. No. Uh, so I was kind of leading in to see how long maybe you'd been playing guitar. So you kind of threw me on that. What kind of writing process is that then for someone that, you know, maybe doesn't really know their first hand as an instrument, but you're still writing all these songs to the point of being able to orchestrate it to a third party, this time being Cap? Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting process when um, literally it's, it's words on a page. I, I'll get uh, a melody or an idea or a line. Oftentimes it's like one line mm-hmm. that'll come to my brain and then... Um, 
that'll lead to a chorus or a verse right. or something and then I'll write around it and build out the song and then literally there were several times I'm I'm sitting we're sitting together in a room and I'm I'm singing a cappella a right. song to him that I've written oh, out. Oh, he's just yeah. having to kind of pick sure out the notes. And figuring it out as we're going. Wow. And I had a few of them picked out on, on ukulele. And what was really cool was when um, was when there were maybe suggestions of like, how about we change this one chord to this? And it really like would resonate and become a, right. more of a collaboration process. So that was cool. Yeah, and you have just such catchy and hooky melodies too, or just melodies I can attach to easily to write around. It was like really simple for me at least because the melodies were such a I guess fit my taste and everything too with a lot of the music I listen to or play guitar to so that was just a lot of fun to write put an arrangement to and I'd never done that before Mm -hmm. so it seems like with you were saying kind of coming from a writing and poetry background that it kind of mainly started from maybe poetry turning into just songwriting basically I write all sorts of things I've written short stories and poems and um a few years back, pretty much everything that I started putting on paper, I carry around notebooks like always right. in case something comes to me. But um, a few years ago, it started just all being song lyrics. Um, and I don't know what shifted in my brain to make that happen, right. but it, it did. And um, this album is a lot of stuff that just kind of fell out. It, it came together relatively quickly in terms of the writing process. Yeah. Just a lot of songs all at once. So. Yeah. So you started off with how many songs that are on the record before we started hanging out? Uh, I had at least, I probably had six of them. So it was like half and half, like half uh, before uh, we met and then uh, other half after we started working on them. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Yeah. That is though, especially kind of thinking back on, because I've taken my hand at some basic writing before and it always just felt forced. Yeah. You know, and even with my lyric writing, at times it feels forced. Sometimes it just happens, but at times it feels like I have to really poke and twist and <laughs> work it in. It's just like, look, I'm on a deadline. I got to get this figured out. That's one line. Come on, think of something. I have that issue too with everything I write, which is wild too, because like he and I hit walls constantly with uh, lyrics and stuff like that. Yeah. And, and that is interesting too, coming from someone that's a lot more lyric based than music based. I can come up with a guitar riff or a guitar idea all day long. Same here. But then what I was saying on maybe I think last episode with Tony is something that's really been helping me is I can come up with like the first two verses and the chorus and then I go, uh, what now? Yeah. Because <laughs> it feels like I kind of said everything in that first verse or yeah. the first, you know, verse verse chorus thing. It feels like I said everything there and it's just like I already know my variation for the chorus and maybe a pre-chorus, but it's just like that second verse, I just can't. I, I will sit there for months and yeah. not be able to think of anything. <laughs> I've had songs like that and sometimes I just ditch them. Like, yeah. cause if there's not enough to think of a second verse after a long time, then maybe there's just not enough to that idea. Oh yeah. For a full song. And oh, I've completely scrapped lyrics before just to completely rewrite it. Just cause I couldn't think anything else too. I hang on to everything I write. Just like if it's a phrase or something like that, it could be, for a completely different song down the line. I'm like, oh, I have this oh, one thing that I had. It. Yeah, exactly. 
Oh yeah, I mean everything I write's in the notebooks. So I always like to go back to it, mm-hmm. but yeah, when I say rewrite, I don't mean it. like literally right. scratch it out. It's just like, all right, next notepad in the phone. <laughs> right. Well, my biggest writing advice I would say is I, I learned this in the sixth grade. Um, my English teacher, and it's any type of writing, and it mm-hmm. works for everything, is that if you need to write a uh, if you need to write a three page paper, write six pages and then bring it down to what's good. So if you right. want to write a song and you want three verses, see if you can write six of them. And even if three of them are utter crap, mm-hmm. you've maybe got three verses that are pretty great. Um, so gotcha. if you're really but trying to do it... But then what about from the person that struggles to even come up with that second verse for the chorus? Right. I, th- I think, I think, Alex, you mm-hmm. may be one of those people that's m- a little bit of a perfectionist. No. I am too. Yeah, so uh, I, th- I think you might have that tendency. So I think you probably have ideas and you don't put them down because you think that's crap before you even put it on a page. I've actually talked with Cap on this. I've listened to other songs and went, I wish I could write songs like this because the way I listen to them do melodies or like songwriting, I go, my brain doesn't work like that. When I sit down with a guitar and try to think of a, you know, chorus verse melody, you know, where, where do I need to go? My brain goes in a certain direction, but then I listen to certain songs and I'm like, Oh my God, I love this. Why can't my brain come up with something that's kind of in this ballpark? So it's not even from a thing of, you know, feeling like I'm not too much of a perfectionist. I wish sometimes I could pop out of my bubble with maybe my, uh, lyrical range which maybe I kind of did on this last record a little bit we kind of forced ourselves to and the only thing I was going to add is because we're guitar players first and we write like guitar players yeah I'm a I'm a singer first yeah. and a writer talk, and drummers write songs completely differently from guitar players half the time because mm-hmm. that's how uh, Matthew writes half the time I guess he was a drummer first before he started doing anything and I'll listen to interviews with uh, musicians like I know Tool is the band that's out there right now, but I listen to Chris Jericho's podcast with the guy from Tool. I liked him when I was 19, but he says he was a... uh, So much validation before he even just gives this quote that he read on the internet. I was interested in hearing him talk, but uh, he was a violin player, and he says he plays, uh, he writes guitar riffs like uh, a violin player would, which I thought was interesting. Well, uh, I've been writing a, a little bit with, um, or been starting to talk to uh, this guy who's been writing and singing and writing for a long time, and he says that, um, he told me one of the main things is that sometimes to write better, you got to write with somebody who plays differently than you. If you want to... Yeah. If you want to write something new and interesting, you got to write with somebody who plays differently than you, which I think is probably why um, this album came together in, in such a cool way. Because even though I had a lot of the stuff, um, the the contributions I had from bringing in the players and building the music essentially mm-hmm. on the spot uh, really gave it an interesting dynamic and, and brought it to life in a way. So after working with Cap for a little bit, with the because uh, he was saying you had about half of them written before meeting him and then kind of fleshed out the other half, <clears throat> but how long did it take for the other players to kind of come into the frame? Uh, it was quick. It was pretty quick because <laughs> you knew Brandon, the bass player, from uh, doing these open mics and uh, – DJ had was, y'all been playing together for a while already? No, I just knew that he was good and could pick up on anything. Got essentially, it. so 
uh, Brandon and DJ, uh, we had one pre-production. Yeah, and DJ session. was just uh, was consistently cutting demos for uh, Steve and me uh, over at the studio too. So he was mm-hmm. just available. Yeah, yeah. I think we spent two days on pre-pro and then just like went into it. And DJ finished his stuff in. I don't know, a day and a half. That's about what DJ does. Yeah. <laughs> That's what he did with our stuff, too. It's Literally, like we had a... One day- practice and cut an album. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one practice, and then after a weekend, he had his stuff done. He's annoyingly talented. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Hey, I'm not complaining. This is some of my... No offense to any drummers out there listening. This is my favorite drumming that we've had so far on a record. Yeah. <laughs> so he it's crushed like, it. <laughs> I'm really excited to get it out. So you He's, get to hear a little sample of how great DJ is on Kelsey shit. So oh yeah, he crushed it on this one too. Uh, Brandon's awesome. Also, I feel like we're like seeing DJ traces. <laughs> well, I don't know Brandon, so go ahead. Oh well, yeah, Brandon's played. I, with, I have uh, background on DJ. So. Well, yeah. it turns out Brandon's one of those guys. He's like DJ. If uh, somebody needs a bass player, uh, he'll, he's up for it if he's got the time. Mm-hmm. Pretty much picks up everything fast. Yeah, he'll get those uh, Friday night, um, just kind of like uh, one-nighter gigs where it's mm-hmm. just a guy playing two and a half hours of the same cover songs that everybody else is playing. Right. And he's up for doing stuff like that because it's easy money. So it's like, hey, why the hell not? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, with this, you kind of you're saying this is the first time kind of writing songs and everything. This would, of course, be your first studio time. What was that like? Oh, it was interesting. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> you say whatever you like, sweetheart. Yeah, really. <laughs> Well, I mean, it's... Uh... Honestly, I'm surprised you showed up. <laughs> <laughs> I, I gotta say, it was definitely... Uh, I definitely felt like I was a unique presence in that place, down at, uh, at Steve's place. The yeah. Swampland, as we lovingly started to refer to it, because it was raining constantly. Oh, yeah, that's when his yard we cutting be- this album. becomes just a muddy pit. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we're hanging out and we're uh, just smelling like uh, <laughs> weed and rampage. <laughs> That's there. a great way to cut a country record, though. <laughs> no, but it was a it was an amazing process. It felt really cool to be doing something that I could tell was different than what had been done there before. And right. everybody was like, the excitement was there in that little room, and you're like are surrounded by. Star Wars murals and you know uh, <laughs> uh, Iron Maiden posters and singing yeah. sweet sad country music, but at the same time everybody's so into it and it was uh, it was really a cool process. Just like it all gelled yeah, like really quick too. Mm-hmm. Really, the only thing that had been recorded there prior that was anything close to that was uh, Cap and I just recorded some felon stuff just so we had demos to put around, you know, so showing our acoustic gig. And even but that, then, but that there was, was no drummer or bass player or anything. No, and, and that was like maybe an hour and a half of us just sitting in a room playing stuff and we got four songs out of it. Yeah. Steve threw like the quickest mix, like a day mix on it and a day master and just sent it to us. Yeah. So it was like, that was the quickest thing we had ever done or the, uh, the only thing even close to that he had ever done, you know, in the studio before. And that was right around when I was getting regular, um, semi-regular guitar, uh, session work over at Steve's too. That was kind of, so to what were you bit. doing over there around that time? Uh, stuff for uh, Josh Carter's album. Um, I think something for uh, maybe that had been the only one before this, but uh, just things here and there and just Deadlock stuff like guitar. And shit. Deadlock, yeah, Deadlock on bass, and uh, I think the Josh Carter uh, record was the first guitar gig I got. The Matthew record. 
Uh, Matthew, that was bass too. Okay. But we would play guitar for the uh, felon stuff too. Right. Maybe that was part of it. And I would go in and cut demos of me playing guitar for uh, things here and there also. Yeah, I remember that. I remember that. Yeah, so. Well, the first day I went in there was the day y'all were practicing Slack Babbitt. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and yet I still returned. <laughs> exactly. I was, again, I was surprised. <laughs> what did this, uh, this, why did you decide to go in and stick around? Not to make it so blunt, but it's like, you know, there are so many different options, you know, in town. What, what kind of drew you and was just like, yeah, screw it. I'll give it a try anyway. Uh, you know, I, I do a lot of things on gut mm-hmm. on what feels right. And, uh, I mean, I felt like after hanging out with Cap on New Year's when I actually really started seeing him play that that was the type of, um, the type of feel and guitar playing that I needed, um, right. to help me flesh this out. And then I went out there and I was like, this place is so it's at least real you know <laughs> right, what i mean exactly. these are real people <laughs> yes and uh, it's very real i feel like there would be and it was also you know it was people that wouldn't want to you know spend the time and work through the record right. um nobody's gonna bullshit anybody with this crew either and on a on a purely like completely professional business note um it was really compelling to me that steve charged by the song and seemed to be more and more about doing the music and getting the music done right rather mm-hmm. than getting it done in a certain number of hours. Absolutely. Um, and knowing that my stuff was in a way so so in need of um, kind of growing and, and f- building, mm-hmm. um, that was pretty compelling to me that I had a song rate and was able to take the time that it needed that to is, get that it is there. That is a big benefit with Steve, especially if you come in, you know, with an idea. <clears throat> he is he will work with you and help get that idea fleshed out. That you, that y'all will hammer out a song if you bring in an idea. That that's mm-hmm. definitely yeah. where Steve shines. And he has good ideas, even though sometimes we clash. And I got Absolutely. mad at him. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, but that's going to happen in any sort of creative situation. Yeah. Um. But that just kind of comes down to the personality. And you know, I'll agree with you, Steve and I. We've definitely butt heads. That's been no secret. You know, so we, we've butt heads on different ideas before. So I, I would just honestly say that just comes down to maybe someone that's so passionate about their work. They want to hear what they have in their head 100% come out the way. And sometimes you can achieve it and sometimes you can't. And there's been times before where I felt like I could just achieve it, but in reality, I couldn't. Mm -hmm. And then there's been maybe cases with this next record there was where we were able to, you know, hammer something out and we were able to make it into what we wanted. And it was one of those deals where it's like we did butt heads on certain things, but we were like so easily flowing on so many other things. But with the butting heads things, we found like our compromises in the end, too. Oh, my God. I I need to like make it clear that... For the most part, Steve was completely all about this record and my biggest cheerleader half the time. I mean, he was hilarious. He would like Oh yeah. Well, he see, would like throw his arms out in the air and be like, Look, and he was showing us like goosebumps or something. Yeah, really. <laughs> if, especially if it was like the violin solos and stuff like that. Oh be like, my. Look. <laughs> <laughs> no, and, and I'm not really even saying all that as a negative. It just comes from, you know, he's passionate about what he does and we're passionate about what we do. So it's like we just have to be able to find that compromise. And as and as much as, you know, someone wants to be supportive on that, those little moments do stick with us, though, because sometimes it may be an important thing. And it's just like, ah, we're going to wind up button heads on this. So it's like all the support you got on like the past three songs just went 
Because your button head's so hard on this one tiny thing. Yeah. <laughs> there were definitely a couple of those. Oh my god. So no, that's not a negative. It's just that's just part of the creative process. Yep. Mm-hmm. It is Especially it if uh, Steve attaches himself to it, like if he if he's really into well, it. That's also gonna be any producer. Any pro- yeah. But yeah. I'm just glad that he was that into it also. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I think that's part of the reasons the songs came out sounded so well. Oh, yeah. The the thing that he managed to pull off on, on the title track, the trigger, that he really made that song his own. I, I guess it spoke to him. Yeah, he took on that. He said uh, when we were tracking it, he said, this is going to be my baby. Like, yeah. He really <laughs> attached himself to that one. Like He did the acoustic guitars on it and everything. That really? On it. Yeah, he bought a classical guitar to get the right yeah. sound on that uh, record, on that specific track. He That's wanted great. it's got this kind of really slow, beautiful finger picking um, melody to it or a little guitar tone to it. And then um, we put violin as the only other instrument and um, built one violin into what sounds like this full, like, orchestra, orchestra. That's of great. violins which is pretty insane uh and that's all just like steve and emmanuel um i feel to play around the record just um spending time and building layer upon layer of this fiddle tone and it it turned out amazing that was also a fun part of this record is that we got to play with all the layers and all of the little <laughs> fucking percussion uh knit uh things here and there we tried uh-huh. different bass tones and shit like that too Oh, yeah. It was a lot of layers, but a lot of fun. Um, It's crazy to me the way that these songs have gone from words on a page and maybe some ukulele to, like, the way... I've got three songs out, so, like, Whiskey specifically has, like... With the full band, it's it just blows my mind how mm-hmm. cool that song sounds now. With I love e- it. everything like background vocals, everything is on there. It's just like wow. You let us throw everything against the wall too. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, working with all these goons, <laughs> was there any time that Cat threw something out, or DJ would play something, or you know whatever, and you'd just be like, uh, uh-uh, uh, that that's not that's not working. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Uh huh. How many times do you have to? Bring these goons in. Uh, <laughs> You're like, boys, you don't understand here. <laughs> <laughs> Listen up. I got one. <laughs> yeah, you got one. You want to tell the story? Yeah, Steve uh, <laughs> had told me about. Uh, there's this one song that we have on the record that kind of sounds like a Quentin Tarantino uh, spaghetti western uh, mm-hmm. uh, murder ballad, and uh, Steve talked about putting uh, bongos or like extra percussion on it too, like a Mexican yeah. uh, kind of like hand drum kind of deal on it. And I was like, oh, maybe, why not? And then I get a text from Kelsey going, bongos on my song? Tell them no. (laughs) I'm like, oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's a a bad idea. (laughs) I was like, oh, yeah, they are doing that. (laughs) Oh, man. And I'm just like, just just tell Steve, I don't know. (laughs) I was just going to let him do it. Oh my gosh! Yeah, there have been a couple of times. Uh, which song was it where we had like three different versions of it, and we ended up choosing what was it? Glass Slipper. Oh that god! We went... In different keys and stuff like that. Yeah, I, I think that was um, I lied. No, 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 no. Which Glass means... Slipper. We had like Chuck Berry version. No, which one was that? 
Oh yeah, we did have Chuck Berry version. We, no, yeah. we had the Chattahoochee version first. Oh okay. And was that Glass Slipper? I think that was Glass Slipper. Okay. It was. It was literally Chattahoochee riff. No, yeah, it was the Chuck Berry version. Like <laughs> I remember that. We did. Okay, we did the Chattahoochee and then the Chuck Berry version. Yeah. So then uh, it became if, Waylon Jennings. <laughs> so sometimes when Cap and I write together, I will have an idea. I'll get the words and the lyrics, and sometimes I'll just literally. I drive a lot, so I'm in my car and I do a voice memo. Yeah, and yeah. I'll shoot it to Cap, and he'll like think, "Oh, I have an idea for this song," and he'll shoot me back a guitar part for it. Mm -hmm. And I think about half the times I'm like, "Yeah, that's awesome," and about half the times I'm like, mm, "No." <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, because not all my shit's gonna work either. Usually we keep the key. We usually yeah. find the key first, but like how to play it is always, you know, maybe column A, column B. Exactly. Now, it's always interesting, though, because coming from the opposite side of that, I'll have that with Mikey. It's about a 50-50. Or he'll send like a demo that's like five minutes long. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, okay, if you want me to dissect this, I like the whatever the intro was. And then from like 35 to 1 minute 15, no. But then I like the parts after that. <laughs> well, you talked about working with somebody that plays a completely different from you in order to make a really different approach to songwriting. Mikey's yeah. like that with us as far as like guitar playing. Yeah, Absolutely. I would, yeah, I would definitely say that because he comes from a uh, a lot more of a metal background. I, I got spoiled with Cap because we have a lot more of a similar background, even though he has a lot more um, classic country influence than I do. Right. We, we really click on the classic 70s rock and roll and you mm -hmm. know some of the early punk and stuff like that. So our minds work in secession on that. So we wind up getting in our own little bubble and then Mikey comes in and he goes, well, how about this? And we're like, oh, we forgot <laughs> this as a collaboration. <laughs> so we'll make it work here, but it's a fun puzzle to put together though. Well, I, I like that about the Philons when I listen to you guys because it's very clear who I'm listening to when I hear any one <laughs> solo. Like, because uh, I mean, most of the time it's Mikey, right? Yeah, and then, yeah, but yeah. occasionally uh, I'll hear a record and I'm like, Cap, was that you? Was that you on guitar? And he was like, yep. <laughs> well, that happened once uh, on uh, Feeling Good. I played her that and uh, yeah. she definitely heard like my re uh, mm. our record with uh, the way I played too. Yeah, so yeah, I guess yeah. I have a certain way of playing it that's identifiable if you know me personally i guess <laughs> and then uh so you did that on the last record we're feeling good and then you do it one more time on the new record you play uh some of the 12 string on oh yeah on dramatic yeah again like I, uh, we put on uh we did the kelsey approach with uh the layers of guitars and stuff like that on this new feelings record too here and there yeah. <laughs> so that was pretty fun yes oh my god you were kidding this candy store going into the feelings record after uh, doing mine after like having that like taste of doing that layer approach you were like oh my god <laughs> also somebody was really nice and gave me some new toys too so oh. i got to, i got to play with them so so what was so what a twelve string so it, where where did this come from? Uh, that was my comp my uh, compensation for the work, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah, that's I was trying to lead that in. Sweet Kelsey wound up co You're contributing so that, so now yep. I have a new guitar in the arsenal. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I was trying to think of a way to to compensate Cap for not only being on like every guitar part on the record, so <laughs> he's like eight different people on the record, and then helped write a lot of the music uh for it and, and like bring it to life so felt like uh needed to help that he was showing me this 12 string that he was like you know 
pining for mm-hmm. and uh, was talking about all yeah. of the songs that it would be great on and, and how he could play and where it would um, where, what it contributes to the sound and I was just like okay <laughs> click <laughs> done he, he's, just, he's easy <laughs> <laughs> boom so you get the album recorded you have this band together you step back you go what now yeah that's that's the crazy part mm-hmm. you're sort of like oh wait i now have to promote this yeah. and release it <laughs> so so how slowly did that start kind of seeping in was did that happen at all during the recording process or i mean it started to but um quite honestly i just i didn't even know who was on board for a long term i mean as i said we had dj for maybe three or four days of the recording process and then it's right. it's two and a half months later and i'm i'm starting to call him up like Hey DJ, I got a gig. You, you want to come join us? So it just sort of slowly came together, and then we right. started um, liking what we were doing out there. As um, pretty much the four piece is the is the yeah. core group. Me, Brandon, DJ, and you on acoustic guitar. Yeah, I know, which I'm learning, which is always fun. Well, like um, I said, you fooled me. I, I honestly thought well, you'd been playing for a little. And bit. I told her earlier today she was uh, go she was uh, going on about or you were going on about how uh, oh there's so many female singers that don't play acoustic guitar maybe i sh- since i'm s- played a certain way yada 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 i'm like because you play a certain way it's unique yeah. about like there's a there's a reason every johnny C- cash song sounds the same there's a reason every waylon jennings song sounds the same yeah it's fairly apparent in my uh in my strumming patterns that i learned on a ukulele <laughs> There you go. <laughs> well, I mean, I really honestly think you can work it either way because there are some songs you don't play guitar on. Yeah, no. So I honestly think it can work either way. I think if you want to, you know, continue to, you know, work on playing guitar, I think that'd be a great element to the thing. But at the same time, you're a powerful enough vocalist and you carry such a you carry such a stance with you by yourself that you honestly don't need a guitar to stand behind to right. make a presence. Yeah, Not the, at all. The the motivation behind guitar, other than just like wanting to know how to do it, is that um, when we have the four-piece, when I don't have that extra lead player, that mm. extra fiddle, generally, lead player, um, if I can ha- hop on acoustic, it gives uh, cap leeway to play the 12-string or play a slide right. or throw some leads on something, and it really just makes the sound and the songs way better right. um, when we can do that. So that's that was my big motivation for really honing in and getting better there. And with uh, certain songs uh, where um, the picking pattern's a little... Uh a little much i have to have fill it out with like different uh style guitars and stuff like that too so i'm learning how to how to uh have different kinds of approaches with different songs live too oh yeah no and and i and again i just think that's a good you know a good element but if at any time you just felt like you know you needed just you know guitar or something i honestly think you shine just as a vocalist just by yourself so for sure yeah definitely there's one uh there was one show we did where you closed with an acapella tune from uh regina specter where it's just like just came out of nowhere too like every acoustic guitar that was there was busted or a string was busted <laughs> it busted was one of those strings, nights yeah. yep so yeah, what happened so that feels like a story so take us back to a little bit earlier so how how all that go down it was an open mic uh, deal it was after the uh the metal band thing that happened on okay. happened over there for the open mic show right and uh we went on after them and the guy says, play as long as you want. They'll okay. take you because the guy uh, knew Kelsey personally. Right. And then he's into all this stuff, too. And uh, you, wanted, you wanted to play uh, acoustic guitar 
for about half a set, the closing half of the yeah. set. And uh, you busted a string on your guitar. And then Jared had another guitar, I think, yeah, right? Yeah, I was in so the middle that, of whiskey. Uh, yeah. So how far in was that? Uh, what was that, like three songs in or something? Three or four in, yeah. Yeah, okay. so I busted a string on whiskey. Literally, it was like... Hold on, guys. You know, take a brief break, and then like <laughs> we got the other guitar set up, and then I literally just finished that song. I had like a verse and a chorus left, or something ridiculous. Right. So we finished that song, and then I was like, "Well, I'll do like I think I was gonna do like one more, maybe." I think so. Yeah. I was gonna do one more. So I um on the f- like the first chord of the first. Like the first chord of that song, I busted another string. I was like, oh "Well, I guess we're done." <laughs> and they yeah. were like, "No, no, no. We get. We, can you do acapella?" And I was like, "Well, I do have one acapella song in my back pocket." Right. And Cap uh, thought I was gonna do that same song, but like try and do acapella, and they were yeah. Gonna, she like, didn't tell me that she was gonna do something different. <laughs> yeah. So they were up there like gonna think about doing like i don't know throwing harmonica or yeah like just trying percussion to do something. behind me or something, and I was like, "No, no, no, guys, just." You go I've get off the stage. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. Shoo. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, go away. I get this. And so I did that song. And uh, that song is so freaking fun to sing. Um, and what's the name of it? Ain't No Cover, Regina Spector. Okay. Yeah. That it, song is the best. It was cool. The guy who was doing the open mic deal was trying to do like some stomp clap to it too. And, uh, yeah. and I saw what uh, she was doing. I tried to tell the guys like, stop. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, it's supposed to be like this. Yeah. Well, Regina is, is such a really cool um, artist I, in that she she epitomizes using vocals as an instrument. Like, right. just the way that she phrases things, the riffs that she does, it's, it's so musical what she does with her voice. And learning from that and trying to emulate that is really fun exercise as a singer. That is, again, where I do struggle. It's like, you know, we'll even come up with a different kind of guitar riff, but it's like the vocal pattern. I wind up staying in the same box, if that makes any sense. Do you, do you find yourself writing as the same kind of vocal pattern at all? Uh, sometimes, but I, I've never struggled with that. Uh, yeah. As you as you guys mentioned earlier, you guys are guitar players first yeah. and then but and I'm, then writers and, and singers, and I'm a, I'm a singer first. I don't, I don't know. I've been singing since I could talk. Yeah, it's almost like she uh, sends me like vocal riffs. But again, coming as we're guitarists, though, it seems like we should be able to come up with vocal harmonies for stuff to put on top of our guitar riffs. And that with me, that's what I fight too just because i'm not a singer at all either and when i try to sing melodies i just i hear my voice singing the melodies and <laughs> hate it <laughs> and then he thinks of my voice going singing it and he goes nah fuck this <laughs> well it's like trying to find my own voice on it too i'm getting better about it yeah, yeah. i mean we were just talking on the way over here about a, a singer i like because i like what he does and and i guess yeah because you said riffs and licks and because i've always heard them as licks and stuff like that too trills riffs licks whatever yeah. you want to call it phrasing it's, it's uh, yeah call it phrasing call it yeah exactly i call mean vocalists vocalists should call study it. vocalists the There's same way phrasing. guitarists study other guitarists when right. they're trying to learn how to play i mean that's what i've done my whole life i yeah i i've always been very good at copying what other people can do or, mm-hmm. or do and so you start by doing that you start by you know being a little kid and trying to sing the way Whitney Houston does because <laughs> you know why the fuck not but right. you know as you grow up and you get your own style you you learn to kind of do your own things but it's yeah. it's 
I guess, influenced by all of those things you learned when you were just copying other people. That's, that's one thing that blows my mind, too, is that you're, like, you're real technical, but you got a lot of soul to it. Oh, well, thanks, Cap. <laughs> just saying. <laughs> so did all that really start coming out when you started writing these songs, or have you had any sort of like musical past with singing? Um, I've had musical past with singing. I mean, I did high school musicals, and in college I even um, nearly majored in musical theater and then really? said no thank you but I took uh, opera lessons for a little while so I learned some um, some structure and technique from that I also did various choirs that's, so, what, that's what I mean by like all the technical by a technical yeah, just all that background I do have that background I, I know how to harmonize um, at this point it's instinctual but I, I was trained in right. that way from choirs and musical theater and all that stuff so um, I have that background, which is nice. Mm -hmm. Um, I do fall back on it when we were building, uh, the background vocals for, um, my record. It was fun to sort of go into that. Cause that's when you're actually thinking technically about harmony and, and my, um, friend, Emily Dake, who's a fantastic technical singer and, uh, even more in line with that stuff than I am, uh, helped me out and was one of our background vocalists and, right. and the way we went about it technically and putting basically three part harmonies on top of what I'm already doing was just insane and really cool <laughs> experience as a vocalist. And yeah. it was really fun to record. Yeah. <laughs> That's one of those kind of with the uh, guitar layer approach, just like all the vocal layers and all that too. Like how, how many uh, vocal background takes do you think y'all piled up all together? Uh, Red Eyes has a five part harmony at one point. That's right. <laughs> wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's gonna be nuts. It's almost yeah. like it's almost like Queen or some shit. <laughs> yeah, there was there was a little bit of the choir of angels we ended up calling yep. it or whatever. Exactly. She got a thing after this whole thing, the choir of angels, because you started doing it on other people's records afterwards. Yeah, it's it's just fun. It's uh ooze and oz and putting uh three part harmony on it and seeing mm -hmm. how they build and, and what they can add as another musical layer. Um, See, because I heard some of the bare bones from a lot of the record because just riding with Cap over there, you know, sometimes. So it's like I haven't heard a lot of the finished product yet. Oh so my gosh, I'm so excited to release uh. it. I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm so excited to release this record because it took so long and, and it was a lot of fun and it was a lot of work and I'm really proud of it but I'm also so excited to release this record because of the content of the record right. uh it has a lot of me in it it's like pretty much no holds barred in terms of lyrical content and um I think it's the most real snapshot of myself I've ever put out there artistically so, so it's, very therapeutic it's, yeah absolutely mm -hmm. it's it's so exciting to have this going out there. Biggest artistic thing I've ever done. So it's very raw. Oh and, yeah. <laughs> and, and, that, and that is the great thing about music is, you know, listening to it, creating it. It's a very passionate thing. It's a very personal thing. And, you know, enjoying someone's music. If you're able to enjoy their music, you're able to enjoy a part of them, you know? So for the fact that, I immediately clicked hearing your music. It's like, I'm going to thoroughly enjoy this whole record and being able to get to know you a little bit better through the record. And I think that's what a lot of people sometimes miss when listening to music is, you know, when you're listening to something and you feel like you really connect with it, that means you're really connecting with the artist mm -hmm. because they're putting that amount of passion and soul into it. If you click with it as hard as they do, that that's a good thing. So you've definitely gotten that from multiple people from what I've seen. 
Yeah, I'm I'm excited about it. I have a a friend uh just chatting with him last night was talking about how um you put your heart and soul into the record, but once it's out there, it becomes it's not yours anymore. It becomes everybody else's too, and yeah. they're gonna and they're going to connect with it. And they're going to take something else out of it, and so you can always have what you got out of it, but right. everyone else is gonna take either a version of that or, or something completely new and different and, and unique to them, which is really cool as well. Okay. I was going to ask that because again, with this being your first, you know, real music release, but you being, you know, someone so passionate with writing and poetry and everything else in the past, you know, there's maybe an element of that if you release your writing, but releasing music again, that's a lot more of a connection because you're vocalizing, you're putting everything on them. People can translate the way you write something. They can put a voice to what you're saying. They can do yeah. theater of the mind, but with music, you are literally giving them exactly what you want. Mm-hmm. So for them to maybe take that and maybe give, make it a part of them, does that make you feel like, no, 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 this is still part of me or... I mean, I'll always have what I have out of the record and what I'm, I'd say most, one of the most proud things I have about it is that, um, a lot of the stuff is very specific and it's very raw and it's very, um, uh, hard. Um, but I believe that uh, there are some things that I've written in a way that, no, if you've been through what I went through, mm-hmm. uh, then you can connect to it. But if you've been through something maybe slightly different, it's right. also you can connect to it in that way as well. You you bring your own experiences to it and can relate to the emotion and the feeling. Right. Um, and then feel like it touches you as well. So, um, yeah, I mean, I th- I think that's pretty cool the way that. The way that, I mean, even in the recording process, um, people had their own little like pet songs and mm. songs that would like dig at their heartstrings. And I would always say, well, you know, that song I know is sad or hard or, or whatever, but you know, it, it doesn't get me the way this one does, right. but it seems to hit you harder, mm. which I, I thought was pretty cool. And I was just sharing it with like the, the little core team. Right. So I'm excited to see that happen um, in general, kind of with the world hearing it well the world seems very (laughs) seems very like i mean it everyone in the world could hear it but you know it is available to their pockets yeah is available to the world so that that is not a stretch especially because when you start digging into your analytics you'll be surprised i mean we we have technically if we wanted to pull that little you know marketing phrase we have been heard all over the world people in germany have heard us people in scotland have heard us anywhere that spotify is available we've at least gotten a ticker or two throughout the year so it's like we have technically been heard around the world so it is not possible it is not impossible yeah. for you to say you know ready for the world to hear it and that is one of the great things about technology now and you know maybe someone that's you know I'm, I'm it's not really bad to say a new artist yeah. um how do you see the current musical landscape versus, you know, the music you grew up with and the way you consume music even, you know, growing up? Do you see what you're doing now, the, all the hard work and time you've put into it now? Now you're about to see what it's like to release music in that. Are you, how are you kind of, prepa- how are you mentally going into releasing it and what you want to get back out of it? Oh, gosh. <laughs> I... The musical landscape, I mean, this being my first time through it, um, it's hard to compare to what it used to be because right. I, I didn't go through it when it used to be. But I, but I, I think everyone like, just kind of has, well, even as a consumer, you yeah. kind of have a general mindset of, you know, how that kind of works. Exactly. I, 
I have this feeling, and this is, uh, it seems like it's pretty accurate. I have this feeling that um, I needed the musical landscape that is happening right now where the barrier to entry is is so much lower than it used to be. And right. I don't need record label. I'm doing this all by myself. Um, to put it out there, it's independent entirely. And I have tools that let me do that with social media and all of that. So mm-hmm. I have that ability which is great, um, but it also means that since the bar is so much lowered, it means there's a lot more players out there. So right, actually yep. getting heard and uh, making a name for yourself is um, is difficult. It's hard to really uh, feel like people are paying attention. Yeah, because yeah. there are um, no gatekeepers anymore. Yeah, so there's that little bit two sides of the coin. Would this have ever really gotten done if we were still in the past? And now is it really going to get heard because right. there's so much noise? So um, I like the second challenge better because that puts the responsibility in my hands to right. make sure it gets heard or at least slowly but surely you know, chip away at getting it heard um which is fine by me i i will not stop being a musician it is too much a part of who i am yep whether i'm whether i'm big and people know who i am or not it's not going to stop me from making and playing music and so. that and that right there is what's going to make you successful in it though because a lot of people go into it expecting either one of two things it's either one a hobby I run into that a lot. Yeah. And the people that <clears throat> consider, you know, making music and doing stuff as a hobby are the quickest ones to say, oh, you're acting like a rock star or, oh, you're doing this, that, and the other. Oh, you're selling out. Those are the ones that are the quickest to do that is if they're also in a band, they treat it like a hobby. Secondly, is with the kind of motivation you have, you have this right amount of passion behind it too. And especially with... I don't even have to make this political. With just the even social climate there is today, there's a need for genuineness. Yeah. With so much of fake media or ads or, you know, stuff like targeted audience shit that people like, you know, complaining about, but it happens all the time. (laughs) Um, All these negative things and all these things that people consider fake, people are just looking for a lot more realness. They're looking for a lot more truth. Yeah. And damn, there's no, there's not a lot of that on your record. <laughs> so that's yeah. what I'm saying is with the amount of drive you have to get your music out there and the amount of quality and passion there is behind it, I think it's going to set yourself apart pretty easily. Yeah, I, my record's coming out of the right time in terms of the social climate for sure. <laughs> Thank you, Me Too movement. For- well, how much of that uh, do you want to go into? Because we've kind of danced around it a little bit. So I know that, you know. I'm, a, I'm an open ha- book. It's about to be out there on the record. Right. So, so yeah. how, how much do you want to let people in and know what this record's about and how much of a soothing experience it has been for you with it being, you know, created and finally getting out there? Well, yeah. Um, I'm happy to be open about it. My. Uh, the record, a lot of it deals with um, an experience that I had. My, I was divorced in 2017, and unfortunately, that relationship and that marriage was abusive on multiple levels. It was uh, right. physically, verbally, and emotionally abusive. Um, and I, I left in June of 2017, and then in uh, 
by November when I was getting uh, the actual divorce through, I started experiencing the emotional and psychological fallback and shock of being in that relationship for seven years. And I've been dealing with that uh, for two years now uh, and, you know, making some good progress. (laughs) Yay, therapy. Um, But yeah, this record was in in a lot of ways very therapeutic in itself because you, I had all of these feelings and emotions and, and thoughts and about that and coming out of that and really processing what had happened and why it happened um, to me. Cause um, an interesting thing that I I struggled with and dealt with is that, I mean, I I grew up in the girl power time, you know, I went to an all girl school. They're always telling me like, (laughs) they're always telling me like, you're, you're powerful and you know, you're going to make it through. So the idea that I could find myself in that situation and Mm -hmm. stay in that situation for as long as I did was something that was really hard to deal with for me because I was like I was raised to be stronger than this and it's not that like if anybody's feeling that way please don't um we can have a conversation about it if you want but it's not it's not how it is but I had to deal with all of those type of emotions and those things and why that happened to me and um the lyrics just kind of fell out they just they they flooded onto the page and so um there's several songs on this record that are dealing with that and then, um, and so, I mean, it's, it's just something that had to get out and oh, had yeah. to be talked about. And and it's a good thing you're talking about it too, because anyone can fall into that trap and exactly what you were talking about, you know, gr- growing up even in the girl power movement, and then you find yourself right there in it. So it didn't even come from a lack of education. It didn't come from a lack of not knowing, not having your eyes open, not, you know, anything like that. But anyone can fall into that trap when they feel like they're in love. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm, an abuser's going to abuse. Yeah. And and they're going to manipulate and it it happens to everyone. It ha- it ha- can happen to anybody. And I you know, I think in my kind of war- way of thinking about it is, you know, I was a strong powerful woman and I am able to handle things and and you know, by God, I can fix it. That's right. And then that's the that's <laughs> the thing that keeps you there for a long time. Um because maybe if maybe if I can take responsibility, maybe if I can change something, then then I can make it better. Yep. Um, which you know, is is something that ultimately can keep you in a situation that isn't isn't great for you. And then when you do finally pull away, um, it leaves you with these feelings of like, you know, guilt and shame and, and things like that. So. I mean, it's, it's hard, it's hard to deal with. And it has been a, it's been a journey to deal with. Um, I suffered from uh, PTSD following this, which is what the song, the trigger is about. Right. Um, you know, uh, the, the phrase, uh, there is a loaded gun that's been installed in my head mm-hmm. is, is about PTSD. So, uh, oh, yeah. I wanted to explain and that's to people, a great analogy for it too. I wanted to explain to people what that felt like, what it was like when um, something triggers you. And trigger's been something that's also been pulled into a political spectrum, like snowflake and trigger trigger right. warnings and I'll, things I'll like that. I was actually about to say that because a lot of people, <laughs> ironically, get triggered by the word trigger and they immediately just want to go, when 
you actually put that in a really great analogy of no, it's not, you know, you're triggering my, you know, small thing. It's like, it's a good analogy for this is the way it feels like in my brain when I hear something like this. It's not, you know, you're flipping a switch. It's you are literally, it feels like you just shot me, right. you know, that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's an insane thing to be like going about your normal life and then suddenly. So what, what it does is, um, for people who have been through traumatic experiences and here's a little lesson on it, I guess is, <laughs> um, is that when somebody's triggered, uh, it's not like they just feel bad. It's that oftentimes it brings you to a place where you are not just remembering something bad that happened to you. You are reliving it. Yep. You are in that moment again. You are suddenly as scared as you were and, uh, and incapable of stopping it until it's time until it kind of works its way through for for me it was like if i fought it if i would fight a an anxiety attack or a panic attack and uh and tried to stop it mm-hmm. then it would get worse and it would build until i finally did just let it like take over and right. i just sort of like let it go so um that's what that's what it is like And And that's also an important thing, too, is everyone deals with their anxiety in a different way. You know, not there isn't a cookie cutter answer for every single person out there, too. Mm -hmm. And I think that's also something that, you know, maybe musicians kind of have in common, though, is we can take those insecurities or, you know, what have you and put it into song. And it is therapeutic, though, to do that. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, being able to, like put that in a song and then, and then talk to people about it. Um, and think, thankfully my therapist has been a big help in all of these things because there was a time where even kind of speaking about this would have been a difficult thing for me to do. But, um, and yeah. also why I wanted to take this at your speed and just, you know, kind of handle it the way you wanted. Because also, you know, also as musicians, we may not be open to talk about something, but we'll put something our code in lyrics right and in hopes that maybe a friend deciphers it or you know someone else gets the reference it's like you know ooh, that because we'll even listen we'll decipher our own lyrics out of our favorite songs like ooh, i wonder if they mean this by this so sometimes maybe we'll put those same kind of lines in songs you know in hopes that maybe other people get it so yeah i know that you've been you know kind of on the nose with some of it but at the same time i didn't know how much you wanted to kind of leave the record to kind of speak for itself at the same time yeah one of the things that i was conscious of doing with the record and with the songs that speak to this specifically is i tried to not be um you know side glancing about it or just sort of alluding to it i wanted to be just on the on the i wanted to be out there on it i wanted it to just be clear um what it was what i was talking about because i think that is authentic really um and it's and it's it's it was it felt braver it felt realer Mm -hmm. um because if there's if you're just alluding to it or if you're kind of metaphorically kind of coming around to something as real and raw as that then it feels like you're still hiding from it and if and if you're trying to hide it or hold it back or feel or be ashamed of it then then it still has some control over you right um so i just was like screw it we're putting it out there um one of the 
most intense and one of the first lines I ever wrote for this record was on a song Bend Over Back. And uh, the line is, um, my tears in your spit can't wash off the shit that you see all over my face. Wow. And that line, I was just like, well, okay, we're putting that one out there. <laughs> That's uh, the thing, too. It may be on the nose, but it's one of those deals where it's like you write it out, and it's like, that's pretty good, too. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> we're going to have that on the record, but that one's right out there. Yeah. So with a lot of these songs being so personal and stuff and with all three of us, you know, having studio experience, you have to basically dissect your song when you're tracking it. So how was that kind of because you write something so personal and it's meant to be taken as a whole. Now you're having to do it where you're repeating the same line over and over maybe, or you're repeating a chorus, even if it's just to do layers, but yeah. it's like yeah. at the same time, regardless of if you're having trouble with the line or building layers, you're still dissecting it down to give the best performance, but you're kind of, again, disassembling something that's meant to be as a whole. So how did that feel at all? Oh my God. It was, it was intense doing some of these songs in the studio. Um, I, we kind of got into a pattern, uh, Steve and me. So when, when we did vocal tracking, we basically laid every, we had scratch tracks on everything. So we'd right. lay down most, most every bit of the music. So it was just me and Steve in the studio, um, kind of working through it. Uh, cap would swing by every once in a while, but, uh, it was just the two of us. So it was calmer, number right. one. And then, um, we had a rhythm. It was, I'd go in and I'd do vocal warm ups, and then we would do the song all the way through. And that would be the take that nearly always we wouldn't use it, but it would be me coming to terms with this is what we're doing, this is what we're focusing on, we're gonna go through the whole song once. And that was normally when the emotion of it, I let that kind of hit me right. and come through. And I had to deal with that. So a lot of times after that first take, it was like, okay. <laughs> and now we're taking a break. <laughs> um, need a drink of water. And then um, we would generally do it all the way through another time. And then uh, depending on kind of the vocal needs of the song, we might go like section by section right. to, to get it through. And by the time you sort of allowed your, I've allowed myself to feel um, feel that song and feel the emotion of it. Um, then it was kind of easier to work on technically getting it out. And so you'd have the emotional one and then you'd, and then you'd track it to where you thought it was technically perfect. And I knew every riff I wanted to do. I knew every area I wanted to build and every area where I wanted to get down. And then right. you would, and then you'd kind of find that middle ground on the final track of, um, here's the here's the right level of emotion with the technical perfection and then by the end of those songs by the time you're done tracking that song it you are wiped it it is very <laughs> hard i mean I, I was maybe able to do two songs per vocal session really that i did wow. uh with him so maybe three and that was primarily from the emotional drain not just like my voice can't take it anymore it was a little bit of both um to be honest i yeah, mean yeah. these songs are not vocally easy by any oh, stretch I'm sure either not. so because again it started with vocal yeah so it's it's you very set your bar part. pretty high as far as ability <laughs> 
yeah so that's how it went um so we just took our time with it another good reason for working with steve and not having an hourly rate and having mm-hmm. a song rate we just we took our time and got it right um and there was actually a couple of times where we had to do some changes to the songs to fit vocally so yeah there was a lot of uh there were key changes here and there and uh if there was there was one song in particular that we wound up scrapping too and that fought us from the very beginning yep if you have a song that is fighting you from the very start it is quite likely that you will ditch it by the end that is what i learned <laughs> well there were like two or three that were like that uh before we went in where we had like a good eight or nine that were ready to go like pre-pro and everything and then two or three that we weren't a hundred percent on yeah it took some we f- time. We figured out two of them, but yeah, the, uh, this one in particular was just fighting us from uh, day one because Steve even poked his head in and went, I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> but see, knowing my luck, that would be the one I'm most attached to. Yeah. <laughs> and then that would be the start of the headbutt. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be like, well, I'm sorry you oh, don't. It's not w- your band. <laughs> oh, and there was some headbutting. I did not. I was like, no. <laughs> I don't wanna, no, I don't like this song the way it went. And then it just... It it didn't work out that yeah. song. We we tried everything we could with it, but it just didn't work out. Yeah, like till the we fought it till the very end. We even tried like two different versions, put a harmonica on top of it. <laughs> see, she wanted to make that song work. Oh, he wanted it so yeah, bad. Yeah, not that we didn't put in the time on it. Yep. Oh well. So you know, explaining the tracking part of it, you know, being so emotional. Now playing it live, what is it like? It used to be harder. Yeah. And so, now, so what was that like? The first handful of shows playing these songs. Um. It. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's still. I still get choked up on a couple of them, but um, it's just repetition at this yeah. point. Uh, the first couple of times I did it, um, I think for for me the song that I probably get choked up on the most is um, "I Lied" or "Bend Over Back." Those are mm-hmm. my two like the ones that hit me hardest and with those songs um you know you kind of have to tap into that emotion to sing them correctly yeah um so you still feel it but just with repetition and and probably honestly because of my uh therapy (laughs) uh it's a it's easier than it used to be um yeah uh Therapy is cool and awesome. Let me put a plug in for therapy. Absolutely. And if you've been through trauma, look for a specific trauma therapist, everybody. Yeah, because, because there are specialists for everything. Yeah, because it it helps. It's good. I'm, yeah. Oh, absolutely. No, you, you, don't, you don't have to go plug, sheepish plug on that. Plug for my therapist. Yeah, I was going to say, you don't have to go sheepish on that. that that's No, what, yeah, you know, get it tr- out there. Trust me, and this is something Caps even brought up multiple times, is playing in bands and being a musician, you learn about mental health really fucking quick. Really quick. I mean, Because even, trust me, if, for anyone, anyone, any musician, any painter, any photographer, any creative like that, not necessarily something traumatic has happened to them, but there is something with them. They have something emotionally that's going on. They have something mentally that's going on. They have something financially maybe that's going on. It's like something has sparked this creative person to do the thing that they are doing. So it's like everyone has their thing. So that that's something that I think that if everyone just kind of started acknowledging a little bit more, I think it would just make all of this a lot easier. Absolutely. Especially through music too, yeah, absolutely. Because again, it's 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 great therapy. Have you have you noticed that, or have you noticed at all a change in how comfortable you feel during your therapy sessions after writing these songs? 
Um, you know, it ebbs and flows, honestly. Right. Uh, I started seeing this particular therapist back in November, so I guess I had part of these songs already written and out there. Um, I think. I think the therapy has kind of just been good in itself and in, in the actual stuff that we've been doing and that um, has made it easier to sing the songs. And the songs are therapy in that um, finally putting out there in a really real raw sense what's what's going on, what's happened and, and all of these things. So um, I think they kind of go together right. in a way. It's pretty cool. No, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. No, and I think that is just one, I, I'm repeating myself a few times, but that is just the joy of music, you know, and I can't say that enough. And and the great thing about it is even someone that's not musically inclined, you know, can listen to these songs and still pull something from it. Mm-hmm. So, like, so, like, what was some even, of the first... Go ahead, Cap. I was going to say, even though you talk about the material being, like, real on the nose with the experiences, they're still accessible enough for anybody to attach themselves to and uh, see the rawness of it, but also enjoy the musical aspect of it as as well i sure hope so i, I sure so. hope so hey I, i'll personally say that um la resonated hard with me oh yeah there's I, some that, fun that songs one, on there too well, well, <laughs> well you know it's it you you frame it in a fun way but i understand 100 what you were saying right and that was one that really hit me hard and that's still so far my favorite one and that that one will still get me in the emotion every so often so yeah. it's like it's going to be accessible trust me it, it's it's a very good record from everything that i've been hearing so yeah far. i like the fun songs too the fun songs. i got sassy shit so i'm not always just a sad bastard <laughs> Jason as well. uh, I want you guys to know this. I'm not like that. I'm kind of a funny person half the time. Right. You know, sometimes. I was going to say Handyman's definitely a fun song. Uh, <laughs> I, love I freaking love that song. Oh my God. I remember um, when we took you up to the rim and you played that song. As soon as you got to the chorus, like every girl in the house just was like, ah! <laughs> you definitely bring out the woo girls in that song oh my god every time i play that song at a bar i get the woo girls uh, out and they are so excited about it um i mean it's it's definitely it's a sassy it's like dolly parton does girl power i guess is what it ends up being it's great though i love it yeah i mean when you when you end up singing a line like, um, I don't need a husband. No, that isn't what I mean, but I could use a handyman to put his hands on me. That's right. Thank you. See, that is, that, <laughs> look, that is a sexy line. I love it. It's like even from a guy's standpoint, I can listen to that and go, well, she knows what she wants. Okay. You know, it's like that's that's not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. I like that. And, and that's why I think it's going to be, and that's something I want to actually commend you on and, you know, praise you on is you have very strong feminist message without man hating, if that makes any sense. Okay. Yeah. Because you speak about the trauma that you've gone through due to a man. You, you don't hide it. It's like you have had very bad traumatic experiences with that, but you don't immediately draw that paint of fuck men. It's this person did me wrong and now I'm having to rebuild from it. And that's the thing that I really enjoy about it is you are, you are still a very strong, powerful female, but you don't paint your experience with a overall screw this. It was a screw this person. 
I'm going to better myself from it. And I think that's why I really enjoy your messages because everyone can relate to, and especially, especially slash, unfortunately, a lot of females today can't always relate to that guy that honestly did do them wrong. And I think that's why it's going to be really accessible with everything that you're doing too. Oh, thanks. I, I try not to paint with a broad, broad brush in general in life. Um, I, I, do I think that's what makes your a, message a lot more important, though, and I think that's going to make it resonate more because it doesn't come from so much of a angry, fuck this point of view, but a this is how we as a people are going to better ourselves and get better from it, and this is what happened to me. Yeah, <clears throat> And I dig that. Oh, thanks. So, <laughs> so you've already gotten over this hurdle, so the record is finally coming out, and uh, if anything, if Cap has shared enough information with you, you already know that you're supposed to be writing your next material already. We have been, And getting too. ready for the next steps. I have several songs in the works, actually. Good, good. Uh, one already done. Uh, wait, no, a few already done. Shit, yeah. how many do we have done? Let's I don't see, know. We have... I think we have three right now. Yeah. Three that we've put uh, arrangements on so far, like the rough drafts. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Three rough drafts. Uh, I, one fu- one complete, two rough drafts. Okay. Yeah. Wait. Three chords. Wait. <laughs> yeah. How Who's on first? Have- <laughs> I think it's three. I'm pretty sure. Wait, which one? There's three chords. Three chords. The one with about your brother and Alabama. Yeah. Oh man, maybe you have four. <laughs> What's the third one I'm thinking of? But yeah, the Alabama one. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I love it. So it's like, I'm glad. So how many... Uh, it's so easy. <laughs> so how many are on this record? And is it something that you're going to want to repeat in the future track-wise? Well, there's 10 tracks on this record um, now. So I'm excited about that. And I think between 10 and 12 is probably a good place to be mm-hmm. um, with an album release. Um, I... I had 12, then we had the one song that uh, we ultimately scrapped, and then um, we do have one song that I have out uh, that's not going to officially be on the album because I think uh, it actually doesn't completely jive with the um, with the whole feeling and vibe of the record. It's a okay. slightly different stylistic song. I mean, it's still which out one there is anyway. Yeah, and it's already out there. So LA, LA is a single now. Oh, okay. It's just going to be a single out there. Uh, and then the rest of the record is the Trigger album. I like that. Um, so that makes sense. Yeah. So I think just stylistically, uh, even though I do have sassy, fun songs on the record, it's not all sad bastard Trigger stuff. Um, it even still felt like LA was like this one um, thing, and then the rest of the record is kind of a, a, completely a different slightly vibe. different thing. So. Um, I made that choice to make it a 10-track album um, with L.A. being a different single, right. and and that's what I have. So I think that's a good place to be, um, honestly. And and if you're talking just pure logistics, the record right now is at about, I'd say, like f- between 45 and 50 minutes yeah. long, which mm-hmm. so for vinyl pressing, that would be a, a good place to be as well. So yeah. I think more and more, if we're just talking business, People, if they're wanting to have a physical copy, they're interested in having a vinyl copy, which I'm not doing with this record yet. Mm-hmm. Maybe down the line we'll do a pressing, but um, CDs are becoming more and more something that people don't have a physical copy, right? Or they don't even have a CD player. So um, keeping things in terms of having a link that's good for vinyl is is something that 
seems practical. Oh yeah. And yeah. at least from what we've experienced, if you can get, because you can get CDs so cheap. Like CD Baby's been messaging me like crazy this month, going get get fifty CDs for a hundred bucks. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like let let's go business for a minute. It's two bucks a CD, maybe three bucks a CD after shipping. You know, maybe that much after shipping, maybe two fifty after shipping. Yeah, that's t- you got ten songs on there. You can so easily sell those for five dollars. Yeah. So it's like you've got a five dollar CD, ten songs. It's a debut, and even though. A lot of people may not use physical medium. At least in cap in our market, vinyl is a lot more relevant, you know, and, you know, niche kind of things like that and streaming. But I do feel that in the country and southern kind of thing, not only is vinyl still relevant, but I feel that CDs still are too because, you know, maybe some of the older crowd that's going to listen to this and really like it, their trucks still have a CD player, you know? And then, you know, that's. So, yeah. Cap's car still has a CD player. So it's like, you know, a $5 CD after playing, you know, an open mic night at a bar, you're going to sell quite a few little five buck CDs. So I think that. People are going to like these songs too and they're going to want to write ride around with them and hear the songs again, especially mm. for the lyrical content. And fortunately, when I did a Spotify search, you did come up very quick. I don't think there's really any other Kelsey Ryans on Spotify that I found. So <laughs> congratulations on that. You, you did, did well. It. But at the same Fantastic. But at the same token, one thing that any singer songwriter is going to run into is it's still a name. So even something like Slack Babbath, as goofy as that is, or the fill-ins or the wall burns, you know, something like that, that may stick a little quicker. But someone like me, you tell me your name five minutes later, I will forget it, (laughs) you know? So it's like, that is the unfortunate thing for any singer songwriter. So being able to have that physical copy to be able to hand to them even Mm -hmm. would maybe be beneficial. That way it's just not another name that gets lost because I will say for me personally that will happen yeah well I mean I I'm just behind the times because I'm busy as shit um oh, no that still makes ordering sense, the CDs so I need to order the CDs <laughs> in two weeks oh lord have mercy um so I need to actually order them but I'm gonna have some CDs oh, yeah. and um I'm not again I'm actually interested in the idea of getting a vinyl pressing of this album down the line even if I just could find a way to just get one for myself. Yeah, really. If it's oh a my year God. or two from now, um, definitely. I don't know. There's just so much of me in this album. It feels so much of me. It just feels like something that I would love to have on vinyl someday. But And, and it's funny. We kind of felt the same way with what we've got coming up too is like a lot of this on here because Cap wrote a lot of the lyrics because I don't know if he told you that or not but he wrote some Dear lyrics Mary, on yeah. this new record he told me some of the things yeah so he, <laughs> so he wrote some of it and you know there, there's a lot of personal stuff on it so you know we're even getting it pressed you know to vinyl this yeah, year yeah so. it's one of those deals where it's like we've done every version of a release too we have CDs we have cassettes <laughs> I, I hear we you have I hear you have a, and, yep. this really awesome backup vocalist on one of your songs on the new record oh, Oh, yeah. Yeah, Cap did a she quick roll back up. She was pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> totally worked. <laughs> no, uh, and again, even because, for actually, before we go into that, you were surprised when I said I was a fan of yours, like a genuine fan. Yes. Why was that? Oh, um, I just, you know, just 
didn't expect you to be a, a fan necessarily of, of me stylistically. I mean, I'm sitting here in your room and it, I'm surrounded by rock posters <laughs> and like there's like an Elvira Mistress of the Dark uh, cereal box over here. And like I'm singing uh, old school country, which I guess, you know, old school country you can you can get into. But it's still it's still very simple um, chord progression. It's very, very simple uh, storytelling, lyric driven. Yeah, but you knew Cap and I did that stuff on the side. Yeah, with the I felons mean, and stuff. I guess I did a little bit, but I just... But, but I, I I kind of felt that with Alex, too. But it shouldn't surprise me at all with uh, your more punk rock, rock and roll oriented uh, taste-wise. I mean, Super Suckers do country music. We're all in, we're definitely into it, but it wasn't until like we were playing some stuff from uh, 25 Minutes to Go the other day where mm-hmm. they do a version of uh, Friends in Low Places. And it's like, oh, what? that's wild. They're doing Garth Brooks. But then yeah. in the back of my head, it's also because, oh, yeah, it is fucking North Carolina. Yeah. <laughs> so country music is just ever present anyway here in uh, Tennessee and North Carolina and anywhere else in the South, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I did. I immediately not only just fell in love with your sound, but your voice. You have a fantastic voice. Oh. And with, uh, I still don't want to say what the song is yet, but uh, we're tracking one of the songs and it's a cover and it's not a cover that basically anyone else would know. And that's going to be the fun thing about it. We get to talk about the origins of it. And I actually want to find a way to get that guy on the phone, at least through Skype and talk to him a little bit about it. For sure. So it's an underground cover. So not that many people know about it, but in that original, it had backup vocalists doing like a do, 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 do kind of thing. And I could have done it. Cap could have done it. But with the tonage in the original song, I immediately heard Kelsey on it. And I was like, I've got it. And I hit up Cap. I was like, send her the song and like see if she would want to do it. And you totally were on board. It's awesome. Yes. And we just let you do your thing because you were like, is this how you want to do it? I was like, girl, just do it. You're, you're a, you are a better vocalist than I am. Just, you know, I mean, it you, didn't take to, you long either. Listen to the key and just fucking sing it. I'm not telling you what to do. So you do Actually, your thing, girl. It was one of my favorite things that has probably ever happened in that studio where I'm sitting there and I'm listening, we're listening to this song uh, over the speakers and you guys are both singing the the backups like to me like this is what we hear and the way you're doing it is like super kind of sweet to oh me. yeah you're like I'm like a little vibrato is that on what it. you want kind of yeah I was like is that how you want it um okay and so I went in sweetness I feel like I went into the box and I did it that way and I was like no, you don't. that's not. <laughs> but the how sweetness you still came it. out. Yeah, but it was more uh, the way I approach it was more of a um, uh, female rock singer. It was oh I yeah, oh, yeah. I mean there, there's still like some there's still some lady balls tone. in there. Yeah, I, I, sure. wanted, I wanted to bring out the lady balls and like as opposed to the no balls way you guys did it in the oh, 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 oh okay I, and, you see, know what? and that's why I said I wasn't going to tell you what to do <laughs> she's like I'm a real singer I'm going to knock this bitch out because clearly bar rendition was yeah, not really. up to bar <laughs> I see how it is no I, I, I absolutely love what you did though and I also love the fact that on the final ones you changed it up a little bit yeah. you, you did a slightly different yeah. harmony in it and um i don't know if cap showed you the final 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 mix she has a version of it okay does she have the final version do you have the no you don't have the vinyl one yet she has the 
Uh, last one. Okay. <laughs> You'll have to hear the absolute final one. <laughs> this thing's been a fucking headache. <laughs> no joke. When, when, our, when that episode comes to term, when, Mikey, <laughs> when Mikey's here and I want to get one other guy here for it, when that one kind of finally comes to pass... That's going to be a three-hour episode. <laughs> no joke. I'm sitting here trying to remember what I did. I was like, how did I change that? <laughs> oh, that I'll, I'll, show you, I'll show you at the that. end of this because I'm really proud of the mix, too. I, think, I, I remember, actually, now that I'm thinking about it. It was really good. Yeah. Plus, I want to hear. I want you to hear how you actually sound in it because you sound fucking amazing. <laughs> Thanks, man. Yes, you are one of two guests fucking on there. Rules. We mentioned it last week. I got Jeff Clayton on the track, too, also. A track also. There yep. we go. <laughs> so usually carrying our tradition, I think we've had a guest on every album so far. On the first album, we had Barry Hannibal uh, doing yeah, vocals on Traveling Band. And then... On... We had um, the intro. Oh, yeah, the intro. We had uh, the guy that did all the percussion for uh, Kelsey's record. Mm-hmm. Uh, he did uh, the spoken word intro on that. And then the last song had Steve as the old man. That's right. On Beer Run. Oh, yeah. I don't think I've ever played her that one. <laughs> oh, Steve. And then on Time Is Now, we had Tony on harmonica for Feeling Good. Yep. That and was then, the one that I played guitar on. Yep. And then, yeah, so that was even a fun mismatch. We had Tony on that and he played guitar. And then on this new record, we've got Jeff on a song and you on a song. So carrying the tradition of just keeping keeping the musical family. So yeah, close. guys, you can be a special guest on our album if you want. You gotta have be a fill-in cool. on every fill-in record. Right. Perfect. Exactly. <laughs> you get a t-shirt. Cool. Speaking of t-shirt, uh, as I mentioned to you earlier, you've got an amazing shirt. So are you going to have an online store set up? Because you're mentioning stickers. You're going to have CDs. And I, you already have the website. I have a website, and I have not started the online store process, but okay. obviously and probably well not obviously but we, in time we will get it and i will not promise any short of shipping dates you will get it when you get it we just got the shirts too so shipping i'll put on there like shipping one day to whenever you know <laughs> that's how long it will take Eat to get your kelsing ryan shirt each ship because this is a one man bit one woman business hey i'm, I'm, and I have I'm, a full-time I'm the band job, I'm, so figure it out hey i'm the band wrangler i got a job title <laughs> In this operation, <laughs> I know poor Cap. We can feel like the I'll help with the shipping too. I can do that. <laughs> he has I'm been like trying to make here. this eat, trying to make this as easy as possible. He has been over here and he's like, Oh, these fucking band members. <laughs> I have trying to calm Kelsey down, trying to see who, can, <laughs> trying to see who can actually come out to yeah. this shit. Talking about uh, how are we feeling getting the stuff off the ground. That's been a big part of it. I know he's he plays a really good. Uh, uh, shit screen from the rest of the band. Shit screen from the rest of the band for my my bullshit. I'm like, if I if I need to freak out, he gets to hear it, and then it's uh, like, hang on, Kelsey. If we hadn't have been so good throughout the entire episode already, and not been pre pre like prepubescent boys going <laughs> the entire time, this is actually going to be really good for you. To, you can you can actually use. I would actually use shit screen as the title for this episode. <laughs> <laughs> but considering we've actually been pretty good this episode, and it's, it's been pretty good that you can actually use. It's hadn't it been just a total train wreck that you're like, yeah, this is for their audience. <laughs> no joke. I'll, I'll come up with something a little nicer for the title, but if this was any other episode, shit screen would be the title of the show. I don't think I've ever oh, heard yeah. that either. <laughs> But it's accurate. <laughs> no, like Cap gets to like 
four paragraphs of text messages and me just being like, this is fucking bullshit. <laughs> and then like he's like, Kelsey's not happy with that. Can Kelsey we ain't happy this with out? that. <laughs> and it's more like, hey, do me solid. <laughs> and usually everybody's like, cool. Because they dig the music. That's the thing, though. Everybody's cool about it because they dig the music. Yeah. I, I, I just, I love watching it because it's like I've had to be band daddy for years. Oh, and then and watching him now have to respond to these frantic texts that I would send. In the fill-ins, it's drummers. In country music, it's fiddle players. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my god! And we're in year one. <laughs> we now have three fiddle players though really so we are up to three people that we can call at any at any given moment and i want to talk about this too within charlotte there is more accessibility to country music players even in the punk rock community it's wild mm-hmm. whether it's drummers or fiddle players or like uh i mean there's only like two or three steel players in town but yeah they're always available I know two pedal steel players. I know two upright bassists. I now know three fiddle players. So yeah, there's there's a decent there's some, amount of people out there that do that. There's some quality stuff. country music in this town too. Locally, it's yeah, it's pretty cool. I didn't really get exposed to until I started playing this. Well, I'm a dumbass. The card fill, filled up. <laughs> filled up. <laughs> Game on. <laughs> so something happened there. I don't know what we I'm going to insert. We are failing upward. <laughs> <laughs> so I claim the memory card. We have some more room. Uh, we didn't listen to the last thing we were talking about. I was watching it the whole time. So I think y'all were discussing. Uh, a lot of the guys uh, around Charlotte in country music that yeah, are really yeah, that's good. Right. We actually got a uh, really good act. Opening up for us on that release show, David oh, yeah. Taylor Let's and talk the Tall about the Boys. Release show. Yeah, yeah. Um, the release show is September thirteenth at the Evening Muse. Very excited about it. Um, so David Taylor and the Tall Boys um, are going to be opening up for us, and I'm really excited about this because David uh, is a guy that I've been write, uh, writing a little bit with. Uh, he's a fantastic songwriter and just has this awesome kind of whaley country voice. Right. Um, he's with got what some really does. good songs. Like he's got some like. Outlaw, he's got some like honky tonk jams and some really uh, sad country ballad songs, and uh, he's been like our little brother country band. Yeah, and he's like he's come not a little brother, but he's come up around the same at a a similar clip as as we have sort of getting together with his group of people just this past year. Like when I first met David, he and I were both just solo people with with words in a notebook and that's right. sort of how we connected in that we were both writers and we wrote together some and then he got together with some of his bandmates uh who he calls the tall boys which is which is great because david is not a, a super tall individual but his uh <laughs> his bass player and and lead guitar player are both tall and uh david is a particular fan of of pbr so it was <laughs> it just, it's just perfect it's country it as hell it works really well. It's country as hell. And, it is. <laughs> and David's songs are so amazing, and the way they've come to life with that full band and how um, good and tight they are with the way they play. I'm right. I'm super excited and proud for them to, to join us on stage beforehand, and I think people are really going to like it because David is country. He's got this country style with this great lyrical content, so it works with, with what we do, but it's it's slightly ever so different in the way they, they come about it musically with a lot of guitars and pedal steel and things like that awesome. versus mine being more fiddle and, and mm-hmm. guitar He's and kind of got a and, Hank Williams Jr. thing going on, like really old Hank Williams Jr. thing going ooh, on. Ooh, that would yes. be fun as hell. That would be nice. It's, it's so fun. I'm so excited to hear their set. Um, so I, 
I love those guys, so it'll be oh. fun. And and their fat pedal steel player Wes um, has his own couple of gigs. He, Wes yeah. and the Railroad Rotors, another good country band in town. So he plays with all of the good country acts too. Yeah, I see him everywhere. He's always playing slide for somebody because. Guitar players, if you always want to have a gig, learn pedal steel, apparently. <laughs> so with you starting out and this being the year one thing, the f- most fun part of the year one is having the big lofty, like, oh my God, what if this works? What if this works? And, you know, what if this gets big? Mm-hmm. So the one thing that every musician and band does, what's some of your bucket list artists that you have to open for? Oh my God. Oh. <laughs> like if this catches on and you have the opportunity to be able to start opening for some major acts, who would you want to open for? Oh God. Uh, I, I think you could just shoot me in the head if I ever find myself on a stage with Dolly. But Ooh, yeah. um, I really am loving some of the new raw authentic artists that are out there that are really bringing um, country and Americana back to its roots. Mm-hmm. Um, one one person that I kept making Cap listen to uh, as we were starting to make this music <laughs> is uh, Brandy Carlisle and Jason Isbell. So well, I always liked Jason Isbell before we started hanging out. But yeah, that, I've heard him mention that. Yeah. But that uh, new album from Brandy Carlisle is really good, and it just wasn't on my radar. Oh, my gosh. She she just run, won a Best Americana album with her, with her album, um, uh, by the I way, I forgive, I forgive you. you. It's a problem. And it's probably been my favorite record that's come out this year so far just all together it is insane how good of a songwriter and vocalist that she is it's just amazing and i was listening to that record a lot that and uh and i was listening to southeastern that jason isbell record uh Mm. prior to going into it too just because of the rawness of that one and there's a lot of cool guitar playing on both records and they're both made by the same guy exactly so uh i guess those those three artists i'll put down um I also really, uh, Bonnie Raitt, okay. there's another big one. I do covers of Bonnie Raitt and just love her. Um, I've always loved her. The mm-hmm. way that she mixes country with that blues vocal, oh, I yeah. I really connect with. I think that that's kind of how my own voice is. So is. I feel... Really um, there's a song that's kind of like that on this record too, on yours. Yeah, I do have a blues tune on this record. Uh, yeah, that one's fun. It's It's the song where everybody, all the players get to play. That's, yeah, <laughs> yeah. All the players get to play. It's like a little blue shuffle thing, but everybody gets a solo. Ooh, that's fun. I like mm-hmm. that. So that one's that was definitely straight out of the Bonnie Rate handbook. So being with her and uh, would be great. So that's I awesome. just gave you like six people. So I was just gonna let you roll. I, I love hearing about that sort of stuff because it's like everyone does that sort of thing. It's like you know, it's like the, oh my god, I would love to open for this band or this band or this guy or you know whomever. Yeah, I mean, I've done it with venues too. What's your What's your end all be all venue, Alex? Where if you played at a certain place, where would you just like think I I'm done? I don't have to do anything else with my life now because I've I've done it. That's tough because the venues that I would like to play kind of aren't around anymore. And it's like even the ones that are still around that have notoriety, it's like it's either too big and I wouldn't know what to do with a stage that size. So that would be more anxiety ridden than fun. Mm-hmm. Something like Madison Square Garden. You know, it's like that. I, I wouldn't know what the fuck to do with a stage like that, especially with a band like this. We don't have anything to fill up anything that big. <laughs> so we'd have to get a stage budget and just yeah, build everything like, I, ourselves. I, I, would, I wouldn't know what to do with that. So I, that's so far off my radar. And then any like smaller venues, it's like, 
the whiskey would be fun, but it's like it'd be like the yeah, it'd be like any other uh, rock club. Like for our kind of music, uh, the best we I guess. And you know what? I have one, and I feel like we could put on a show on say an orange peel sized venue and stuff like that. I still love rooms like that. Oh yeah, but that's still not like a. That's not a venue that someone out in, you know, L.A. is going to know about. No one knows what the Orange Peel is, aside from us locals, at, you know, for Asheville. So it's like, you know, those legendary venues, I would think like CBGB's, but that's gone. That's gone, Max's yeah. Kansas City, that's gone. So it's like some of the notoriety-ridden, you know, venues that I would like to play just kind of aren't around anymore. And then... As I mentioned, the other ones, you know, Budokan or Madison Square Garden, it's like, it's this huge arena. Yeah, it's ones that I just, I could never picture us being in and being in this band. So it's like, I don't know. It's it's more or less size venues. It's like once we start playing a concert hall or or a theater. Exactly. Like when, when, when we get to the point where we're packing out theaters, that's when I feel that we've made it. It's like that. That to me is my goal. It's I like feel to the be same because those are all, those were always my favorite shows I ever went to were theater shows. Yeah, just because there's not a bad seat in the house for them most Mm-mm. of the time. And yeah. it's a big enough stage where you can kind of run around, put a little thing or two on it. But at the same time, it's not so big you're going to get lost on it. Right. And it's like for and I've seen bands fail on those big stages. Oh my god! Like bands that actually. Uh, I can't remember the show right off, but I remember going to it with Tony and it was at a bigger venue and he was singing their praises the entire time going, this opening band is so great. They're on this big show, this, that, and the other. Who was it? That's why I just said, I can't remember who it was, but by the time they went on, it's like you could physically see them struggle with such a large stage. It's like there was so much gap on the sides and they were still kind of compressed together and they were still kind of moving in their own tiny box when they had this whole stage and it just you could see the insecurity on them of going we don't know what to do with something this big (laughs) so it's like i know i would be right there with it because it's like unless we had a big show behind us with lights and shit like that that's my point. It drop a lot of money for it. <laughs> well, but so again, talking about lofty goals, it's like, you know, after the year one thing, you start going, okay, so if we ever do get to be the touring band, what do we, how do we build the stage up? Cap, what the fuck do we do on our stage? We would figure it out. Well, I'm going to say we like, would. <laughs> and then, okay, an investor comes in, okay? An investor comes in and is like, Cap, Alex, no one fucking likes your band, but I do. I'm willing to sink whatever money you want into this fucking uh, stage show, and we're going to put you out on the road. None of this bullshit, you know, playing in front of other people's kits. It's like, this is going to be the fill-ins I tour. I didn't say we're gonna... good ideas, but I know but, we would but figure something out. what I'm saying out. is, like, so money isn't an option. What do we put behind us? What is our stage show with no money as an option? I mean, if it was handed... Oh, if like we had, like... I don't know, man. That's the thing. We need. We would need the money first. But, but I'm just, saying, so money isn't the option. We've got a guy that's going, here's a blank check. You build the stage show. I find it kind of hard to believe that I've got two guys that are so into 70s glam rock where the stage show is just like, it's in your face, it's out there, that you can't yeah, be we like, would find a way. You, would, you would do stuff and it would be fun and you Hell, would have we the went to the blast rim. with it. We went to the rim and put up a curtain. <laughs> That was Tony, though. I know. That was but, Tony's but, idea. But you know, the three of us would like, uh, you know, ask Tony, hey, what would we do if we wanted to do this? And he'd be like, ooh, he would be like our stage manager or some <laughs> shit. That's but what we like do. Aside, we hire Tony as our stage manager. But aside from 
like just a handful of lights and you know maybe like you know the little flash bomb here or there for but but that's even the thing i listen to our music and I can't orchestrate anything stage-wise that would really work. There's one on the new record I'm thinking. There's a couple on the new record I'm thinking of that we could play around with really? that we spent some time with. I'd have to ask you on that then because it's like, but that's the other thing. Exactly what you said. I've tried picturing our music like that. And I just have not been able to think of anything that would really work aside from uh, with our new circle bolt. I want a flashing circle bolt behind us at some point. Yeah, It's like I mean, that's the only thing I can really think of is to implement that more, but I, that would be it. I see the circle bolt in lights uh, just kind of back behind you guys in a few different but, ways. But see, here's the yeah. fun thing with you, though. You don't even have to think about it. Because if you <laughs> ever got to the point where you're doing those big, massive square garden shows, that's when you're bringing, like, a fucking choir with you. You got pianos with you. Yeah. You've got a fucking team with you. You're going to fill up that stage no fucking problem. Yeah. So it's like you've already got that built in. For a four-piece band, <laughs> we're sitting here going, shit! <laughs> and it is a thing, too. Like, Someday I, I'm getting a cello, damn it. Right? So it's <laughs> Like you've but, already got that built in, especially with your genre of music, Kelsey. You've got that built in where you hit that stardom, boom, you've got all the session people at your disposal. Even if you use them for one fucking song, guess what? They're there. <laughs> <laughs> well, you talked about a, a band like us building the stage. When I saw the Misfits play a fucking arena, it was still kind of like there's still a disconnect because it's a hardcore show at a big fucking, you know. Yeah, so even a band like the Misfits has a struggle, but they... But they had, have that big stage set. They have the leg up, though, from all the years of that Fiend Skull. So they were basically able to do huge uh, screens the entire time. They implemented the Halloween EP covers with the uh, pumpkins on the side. That's something that's been legendary for them for years. And then just huge LED screens with images of their album covers doing punky stuff. Well, when we did but that, that show comes it's... from the legacy of it, though. Yeah. Right. But if we wanted to drop the money, you said money was no object. I would totally do a misfit style thing for us, you know, okay, with all our circle so, vault shit and then all of our hate energy art and stuff <laughs> like that. <laughs> well, they're not flashing misfits records on their show, so they're not promoting brands. They're promoting themselves. I, mean, I, I don't they think kind, that we kind of are too. Well, I don't think. Well, I'm just saying, if you put hate energy up there, that's a little too on the fucking nose. It's still. <laughs> but I'm just saying, I don't think we have enough visuals and enough things that we could even implement into a show yet we would find a, we would figure something keywords out. yet man right dream big right <laughs> I got but i'm just speaking on the hypotheticals because it's like you we already think of bands we'd want to open for so it's like okay if, about if that guy club guys for you that could be one not 30 club would be, yeah. yeah as far as his historical significance absolutely there we go. that's yeah. a good one that's just one that's kind of always flew under my radar though because i guess just a lot of the bootlegs i've picked up just none of them really come from that i was trying to go through my back catalog of like live bootlegs of different yeah. bands i'd had no i guess that's the a good reason, one though good i guess the only reason i bring up the orange peels because i saw some of my favorite shows over there and of course i could easily say the ryman or something like that but i've only been there like once or twice yeah oh, the ryman's mine Ryman and Red Rocks are my two. Actually, Ooh, Red Rocks. I, ooh, feelings at Red Rocks would be fun as shit. How about uh, the stereotypical Grand Ole Opry? Oh, I mean, of course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, the Ryman is like the mother church. I mean, oh, yeah. that, that one sticks out to me most. Um, but, yeah, I, I think it'd be cool to play at all of these crazy, amazing historical venues. But um, I think oh. the two that, that mean the most to me are the Ryman being in Nashville, Tennessee. Um, I'm from Tennessee originally, mm -hmm. just like Cap. So 
Well, I'm from outside but, Memphis, but but well, Tennessee, man. I said the state. You said Nashville. Tennessee. I did. I'm she not said from Tennessee. Nashville. I hear you. I hear you. Learn how to listen, man. I mean, come I'm, on. I'm over here listening. <laughs> God. Oh, uh, shit screen. <laughs> yep. Here it is. Live and on the mic. Cap shit screen. Capel mm, you smell that? Sh- you smell that shit screen? <laughs> No, but then Red Rocks. Um, my my mom is actually originally from Northwest Kansas, and and so getting there, you have to fly into Denver and then drive back. And then uh, my grandfather lived in Denver, so I've been traveling to Denver and Colorado since you know infancy, essentially. Right. So uh, I guess those two places just really resonate for me because of my personal connection to them. And, and this is only on, on my mind because it's new information. So you're probably just like, yeah, I've known this. But I think it would be awesome if at some point you cut a track at Sun, considering they still do that sort of thing. That would be really fun. Especially because not. Yeah, I got Cap all the got detail it, info on that. We, I, as soon as he told me, I was even half considering whenever we get a new song ready that we know like super super well trying to figure a way to route a little mini run up that way yeah and figure a way to just bust out a quick quick demo over there because that would just be so much fun that would be great yeah and i think that would be awesome especially if it was like you had a single ready yeah something simple too something simple and like old style yeah exactly acoustic and a or a fiddle or something playing leads Mm -hmm. in the solo sections that'd be so just get a good live track cut there and have it like kelsey ryan live at sun studios kind of thing i know which song i'll do there you go i think that ought to be the next little thing especially since you're putting out a because i was the reason actually to kind of tie this all together and semi put a bow on this the reason i asked earlier about you know the length of the album and stuff is I think it's really cool that you're releasing such a broad amount of material for your first thing, but I think that this is going to catch on pretty quick. And after that, I would honestly release little four song digital EPs for a quick while Mm -hmm. and really just pounce on the fact that, Hey, and just keep churning out that new music and tying in with all that. One of the, maybe the next steps you do is release a new single that was recorded over there just to kind of give it that little balance. You've already got your debut out. Now here's a new single recorded up at sun studios just to kind of further push who you are as a singer songwriter musician. That sounds pretty cool. I think that's pretty cool. That's definitely a good idea. Put a pin in that. (laughs) Plan a Tennessee run as we're doing it. There you go. (sighs) Knock knock multiple things out at one time. Start pushing the record and at the same time be all sneaky and get something new in there. The part of me that likes that is also the part of me that that knows recording a whole album is a lot of work. I don't want to do it again next year. I hear you, <laughs> and on, and the, and that's maybe another reason I keep bringing up CDs, especially for this, is especially because you're so proud of this new material that you've got out. Having that in a physical form like that early on, and even kind of having those done, even with you releasing new music, people are gonna find it through the digital outlet. Now that they, you know, maybe name recognizing, you know, match the photo, this, that, and the other, start seeing all this new material, and the quicker you turn that out, the more people are always gonna kind of come back to it. Mm-hmm. So I think that would be, I, I just the only reason I'm bringing it up is because I have so much faith in what you're doing that mm-hmm. I want to see you kind of not really capitalize on it. That's maybe the wrong phrasing, but strike while that iron is hot because I think this is going to catch on pretty quick. I would love I to do um, like a live recording 
Ooh, that would be nice. I think that would be fun because what something that we were just talking about today was that we have the record, we have all those layers, and it was fun to build it like that. But now that we're getting into the logistics of like playing out and and doing that, we're learning, we're figuring out new ways with each different um, kind of collaboration and and you know band size. Like I've got a trio way we do things, and we've right. got a four piece way we do things, and. And, and different versions of it. And we have different versions. So I think a live album of, of some of the favorites could be a really cool way to, to put something new out next. Absolutely. Yeah. No, and we, we definitely have the ability to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Little plug for yourself there. No, <laughs> I like no. I, that's why I didn't say us. That's why I, theater of the mind. I just said we, as in, we have a, there is a studio at your disposal and multiple other people that can do that. I was just only tapping this because this actually does have a really nice outside mic. It is on a it. really nice yes, little does. mic. I, I have some uh, sound recording experience with the, my degree. So I was like, mm, mm, so that's a very a, nice little thing you got there. No, so there, there's plenty of little compression options and oh, low yeah. cuts and high cuts. And I might know a little bit on how to navigate that sort of stuff. So that's, that's why I'm just saying. Okay. <laughs> yes. So is there anything else we want to, kind of go down is there anything else you want to plug in this nice little journey of who kelsey ryan is oh my god what have we missed anything in play we've got the <laughs> album release show mm-hmm. we've got which is going to oh, be uh september 13th, 13th at, uh, at the evening muse. at the evening muse so that'll be one week from when this podcast is out in yes. charlotte north carolina in case yes, yes. Yeah. outside folks are listening so exactly. we surprisingly do have people outside of North Carolina that listen, so we have to get a little better at that. <laughs> We're slowly getting an audience, if you'd believe it or not. <laughs> Plan a road trip, guys. Be here on the 13th. It'll be a blast. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Um, so if there's really nothing else to really go through. I don't think so. We've got a few dates coming up on the books, but um, nothing not, official yet. not a lot is official. So I feel you. Yeah. Well, then I guess it's on about time for I, I, i've always struggled going into that transition hey, it's always like the first word or two hey guys it's about time we dug into our spotify playlist and, and figure out <laughs> i was about to be like no all right one two no. three one one two three what, what the, the fuck, fuck we've been, been listening, listening to, to? <laughs> what you listening to son i don't think you like it well why not i like this new generation of music Where did you record this? I bought it at the mall. What that person on your tape has is a medical disorder. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God, that's great. Oh man. All right, Cap, what the hell you been listening to, sir? Man, I've been, uh, we talked about it last week. I've been listening to a lot of Cheap Trick, especially because that's going to tie into a new project I'm going to be involved with, but I don't know if I can uh, announce it yet. I'm not sure. I know what it is. Y'all will find out soon. That's right. But I've been listening to the first couple of Cheap Trick records in color and they're uh, self-titled. I think I like the self-titled a little more just because it's more raw and I love that bass tone that's on there too. That's Tom Peterson is one of my favorite bass players of all time. And uh, when we did Fifth Time's a Charm, uh, I told Steve, I like, I want this bass tone. <laughs> and he kind of got it. <laughs> Hell yeah. He's a whore, hot love. I've been really now. digging on he's a whore lately. Speak now, forever, forever hold your peace. Tax man, Mr. The- oh, God damn it, that whole album's so good. Anyway. <laughs> Excellent. Well, Kelsey, what the hell have you been listening to? Oh, I've, um, I've got a festival that I go to the, with the company I work for at the end of September, so mm-hmm. I've kind of been listening to the lineup that we have there. 
Um, so there's this band Camp C A A M P. Camp. So I've been listening to their stuff. This guy has the the coolest deep uh, gritty voice. Great songwriter. So I've been listening to them a lot. Um, and uh, I, I listened to Tyler Childers' new album. He's, he's one of the he's one of the big names in the upcoming country scene. Uh, we didn't mention him earlier, but definitely people should listen to him too. Excellent, Tyler Childers. He's got the what's the name of that one song that's on there? I brought it up on an episode before where it's literally about him jerking off. <laughs> don't know like ever we've had loving, too many of these episodes ever loving hand that's what it is oh my hand. god yeah that's always obnoxious he he's a great songwriter songwriter though so we shouldn't judge him on his one like oh, masturbation no, he, song feathered indians is so good he's got some great songs but then on this latest record he has that it's like okay <laughs> hey billy idol has a jerk off song so yeah, yeah but <laughs> song rules though <laughs> i'll listen to Purgatory, I'd say, is the good place to start Purgatory with uh, Tyler Childers. That that album is amazing. Uh, he just came out with one Country Squire, uh, but I mean, I fell in love with the Purgatory album first. So awesome! Well, I actually have to cheat for mine. Mine's no longer on Spotify, but it was no. last year. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's one of those bands. It's same thing like Motorhead. One month they have their whole catalog. The next month I'll there's take like two or three of them out. Yes, it's the same thing with this band. So it used to be on Spotify, but as soon as that fucking tiny bit of cold air whisked across my barely seen ass, <laughs> I wanted to start listening to my old gothic music again. So oh, I immediately... <laughs> So I pulled up the damned Phantasmagoria, which that just that spearheaded me, of course, into listening to Depeche Mode so, and The Cure and Bauhaus and everything else. So but. is goth music just the soundtrack to just hoodies? <laughs> oh, absolutely. No, and and people out there is like, oh, we listen to all these, listen to rock and roll. It's like, no, I, I like some '80s new wave and some gothic shit. But I, mom listened to Phantasmagoria so much I when, I was, I, when I was growing ever up. Ever listened to them? You don't think you've listened to that record? I don't think so. Oh, it's so different, especially if you've listened to like Classic Damned. It's so different, and it's okay. so good. Oh, I love it. Stuff like uh, Street of Dreams, uh, Sanctum Santorum, uh, Grimly Fiendish, um, and Is It a Dream? I think I said that one already. Either way, I just I love the record. I don't know why the hell it's not on Spotify right now, but to me, it's just it's the soundtrack of like the beginning to Halloween and everything else. I can hear that. <laughs> Especially that era of the damned. Yes. And uh, as far as housekeeping, uh, as always, uh, if you're listening this far, if you've got anything to tell us, you can always give us a phone phone call to that voicemail hotline, and that number is 513-463-7439. You can always give us topic ideas, correct us, any of that good shit. Um, As for shows, we've got that show coming up. Uh, By the time this is released, actually, a quick plug for that, uh, Jonathan Hughes, uh, unfortunately, has suffered a um, bad um, stroke, and we're actually having a benefit show for him tonight at the Milestone, uh, because no one can sink our battleship. So if you're listening to this in time, come on out to the Milestone. We are playing along with the dollar signs and farewell to Albatross. Handful of others, I don't have it all pulled up. I should have had that one it's ready. It's a killer bill, though, and Hughes is a great human being, so yes. definitely come out and support. 100%. You can't sink our battleship. And then after that, uh, as we mentioned a few times, heading up to the rim in October uh, to play with Fast Eddie, and that was going to be October 11th, correct? Yes. Yes. And the rest of the show on that to be announced, uh, but that's always going to be a fun little trip. 
So again, come out to the milestone if you're listening to this in time tonight. And then otherwise, we've got some other shit, I think, kind of in the works. I uh, really can't think of anything else to plug. Cap, do you have an outro for us? Oh, God damn it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, actually, we talked about this earlier. Kelsey, would you like to uh, give the outro for us with an acapella performance? All right, I can do that. All right. Well, uh, I guess that's how we're going to head on out from this one. All right. This is the Regina Spector song that I pulled out of my ass when all the guitars broke. <laughs> all right, look, if you're going to do that, at least let me get a towel first. <laughs> <laughs> Ew. L. <laughs> Gross. All right, here we go. It ain't no cover. It ain't no style. I shouldn't bother, he's a miles high But I adore him and I implore him Saying one of these mornings, I'm going away The sun is setting, the day is done Good night, my lover, good night, my son I shouldn't bother, he's a miles high, but I love him till the day that I die. Oh, till the day that I die, and 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 I die. Oh, till the day that I die, die, die. I shouldn't bother, he's a miles high. But I love none other till the day that I die. Excellent. Wow. <laughs> Hell yeah, no, that was awesome. Now, thank I'm, you for doing this. That was great. Did you have fun? I had fun. I think I forgot half some of the lyrics of that song, but yeah, no, we're good. <laughs> no, performance. This has been another amazing production from the Cult of Dave. Podcast Network. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it.